0: Today is Wednesday, March 1st, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I am your host, Nate. So uh, today could be the day we get canceled. (laughs) Um, I stand by everything I said, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it from a biblical standpoint. However, uh, you know, the the non-religious people running certain platforms are like we don't care about your religious convictions if you don't condone what the bible calls a sinful lifestyle then you're banned because you know love anyway so uh, biblically speaking everything you're gonna hear is fine um if you want you know christians to condone what the bible calls sin then, sorry, I guess cancel us. Anyway, so um, <laughs> before we get to that, we talk about the overpriced services in today's market. Like, oh my lord, everything is so expensive. Um, anyway, you'll hear uh, what is the gospel. So yes, people actually get to hear in in this uh, in, in today's episode what the gospel actually is. It's fairly comprehensive. Um, so, so if you want to know what the gospel is, listen, it, it happens in, I think, some of the earlier parts of the conversation. Then we talk about the difference in continuationism versus cessationism. Then we go south. Is transgender, uh, is it a sin to be transgender? Yes or no. <laughs> um, is, um, homosexuality the same as being an effeminate man? Um, are they different? Are they mutual exclusive? Are they synonyms? Let's talk about it. And uh, we just keep going from there. Um, (laughs) How about people who are born with both sexes, with both genitals, with both working parts? Um, Where do they stand in the eyes of God? Um, And then we we end the day (laughs) with some awesome proverbs that are definitely going to get husbands in uh, trouble with their wives. So uh, we we offend um, probably everyone um, except Bible-believing Christians who should be Right with us. So uh, enjoy that, and you can also find us on bitshoot.com/askacristian and rumble.com/askacristian. And uh, if anyone wants to volunteer to fix my sinky faucet, <laughs> pay for everything, and get yourself here, <laughs> and I will be happy. I'll give you like a cookie. Um, let's see what else is there. Uh, yes, you can check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon to get deeper insight as to what we do, why we do this, the point of it all and uh, how to defend your faith in maybe more of a civil discussion than a point-for-point debate. And you can also check out the Ask a Christian store to get some t-shirts or coffee mugs or whatever that will definitely have uh, logos and stuff to encourage and facilitate conversation about what you believe and why you believe it. Um, All that being said, um, equipment is not cheap and neither is plumbing. So if someone wants to click on the support us link, um, (laughs) I would be super, super uh, blessed. Um, looks like my money is going to fix leaky faucets. So, um, th- this computer is not going to run forever. <laughs> Take care everyone. Have an awesome day. Appreciate your listening. Uh, like subscribe, do the little thumbs up and leave some comments and reviews. Peace.
1: So, um, so get this Nate. So I took my wife's car into, um, the shop to get a headlamp done. Cause you know, I ain't got time for that. So you know, I take it in there, and I'm like, hey, just swap the headlamp. So they come back, and they're like, yeah, we got to swap both headlight assemblies. It's going to be $4,000. I'm like, what? Oh! No. <laughs> I'm like, that's not what I asked you guys to do. Yeah, just so shoot a flashlight out the window. Right, exactly. So then I was like, all right, here's what you're going to do. You're just going to replace the bulb. And they were like, okay, it'll be $900. And I was like, whoa. whoa, whoa what? $900 for replacing a headlight bulb? Are you guys nuts? Well, we have to take the entire front end of the car apart to get to the headlight assembly. I'm like, what? No, you don't. And they're like, yeah, we do. And I'm like, no, you don't. And I was like, I'm coming down there. So I I come down there and the mechanic is standing there. He's like, yeah, we're going to take this whole thing apart. And it's like, this is a special type of headlight for this BMW. And I was like, no, no, no. Listen, dude, in 45 seconds, I did a Google search on this. And I found a YouTube video that was literally one minute long that shows you how to do this. And he was like, well, but, and I go, see these two screws right here? (laughs) And I'm pointing my flashlight down at these two screws. I was like, loosen those, problem solved. And he was like, well, okay. I'm like, yeah, so, (laughs) thanks, guys. I could now, now, from driving back and forth and da-da-da-da-da, I could have done it all myself.
2: Hey, Chris, that that happened to me at Meineke, man. Um, They was trying to charge me like $1,000 to change my headlights on uh, a—at that time I had my Hyundai Elantra 2013. He said, yeah, we got to take off the whole front assembly and everything like that. I said, no, you don't. I said, give me that ratchet. (laughs) I took the screws out and pulled the whole front assembly out, pulled the uh, headlight off, and I said, give me the bulb put the bulb in and the mechanic, they'd be like, Oh, Oh, okay. (laughs) It was funny, man.
0: Man, people are jacking up prices like crazy. Like, you know, probably six months ago we had to hire a plumber maybe eight months ago. We got a new dishwasher and plumbing is I'm still dealing with this. My weekend is carrying over. I'm still dealing with leaky plumbing. So uh, anyways, like probably eight months or so ago, we hired a plumber to come over. I hooked up the dishwasher, did everything connected it, all the electric, all, all everything, did it all. Um, Even hooked up the plumbing, except there was a little bitty leak. Story of my life. Just like the smallest amount of water. I'm like, well, I can't have this. I have to have it not leaking. So it was like $150 to have him come out just to, you know, unscrew it, put their special magic putty. Because apparently the plumber's putty you can buy is somehow different. Uh, So, you know, whatever. They've sold their souls to be good at their craft. I don't don't know. But, you know, he unscrews it, puts his magic stuff in there, screws it back, works perfect. $150. So I was expecting to pay something like that for my sink. So yesterday I get a guy, he shows up and he's like, Oh, okay. You've done most of the work. I'm like, I've done all the work. There's like two little bitty pieces of like moisture, you know, moisture coming through. I I just need this stuff. He's like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, I I won't charge you too much. I'll charge you a regular diagnostic fee. I'm like, Oh, okay. Awesome. So I was thinking, Oh, maybe it's going to be less than 150. Dude, 243. I'm like, what? (laughs) Like I couldn't even hide my surprise. I'm like, what? He's like, and he looks at me like I'm the crazy one. He's like, dude this is like the lowest fee anyone charges he's like this he's like everything's expensive i'm like what the heck happened i'm like i know we have Biden inflation but oh my gosh um anyway so he's like well that, that's all i could do and uh i'm like well thanks i'm like i'll i'll just keep working on it myself so that's what i did i kept working on myself made it worse and then finally toward the end of the day i'm like well i i unscrewed a thread that got stuck So I'm like, okay, well, I guess I I have to call someone. I'll just try to find like a handyman or someone that's not like, you know, an actual plumber and, you know, see what they can do. Um, But um, I'm like, well, if I twist too hard, I'm going to break it. And then I thought, well, I'm going to have to buy a new piece anyway. So I I just cranked the heck out of it and unstuck it. So anyways, I I now fixed it better than it was. But, um, oh, this this is a mess. I hate it. Like everything is so expensive now.
2: Yeah, man. It's ridiculous, man. And, you know, I saw in the comments someone said YouTube, man. YouTube has been a godsend, man, because uh, I've saved so much money on minor car stuff just going to YouTube and doing it myself, man. But, yeah, I get it, man. You know, you, you run the risk of, you know, possibly messing up some things. But, I mean, 9 out of 10, if you follow it to the T, especially when they have it on YouTube or whatever, you're going to win every time. And it's
0: time. just a yeah, it's just the point of it, right? Because, you know, I, I get it. Like, you know, these people go, they hone their craft, they spend years doing what they do. So I, I believe me, I definitely respect it. Like someone that can walk in and, and like magically look at water and have it stop. I mean, it's like the opposite of God and Moses. I mean, you know, instead of like beating something where water to come out, they just magically look and say, water, cease. And, and somehow it magically works. Um, so, I mean, I, I respect what they do. It's just my wallet, um, you know, disagrees. And it would also be another thing if it was like a new plumbing install or, you know, there was a serious leak or something like that. But it's like when I've, I've done like, you know, 90% of the work and it's like two pin size leaks and it, it waters barely coming out. Um, it's like, dude, I I can't pay full price for that. That's, that's, that kills me. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I think for the car thing, it's like also you have people, how much is it like just engineers doing things in the least imaginative ways and, um, also, how much are they doing that intentionally to make people have to, like, disassemble the front of the car? It's like, you know, in my wife's car, she had an Infiniti a long time ago. And, uh, you know, the battery was, like, in between. It was, like, next to the engine, in between the top and the bottom. I've never seen a battery in such a weird place. They're like, yeah, we have to disassemble. They had to, like, get through it through, through the glove box, like the back of the car. I'm like, that is the most insane thing I've ever heard. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Welcome, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to Ask a Christian Rants. Um, you know, I did hear, I did read today, there's an article. Um, let's see, if there were people here who declare they know nothing, wouldn't now be a good time to discuss Christianity and gospel? Yes, it would. If anyone here uh, declares you know nothing, um, let us know, and we will happily tell you the gospel. Um, and, you know, we tell the gospel, so someone is is here, and they kind of pop in and pop out, um, they may not hear it, but if you stick around for very long at all, you're going to hear it because we talk about it a lot. Uh, that being said, we're not on repeat, so we occasionally do drift into other topics. So, for example, if you uh, want to know what, the Christians, what, you know what Christians actually believe and what Christianity actually is, is that you are born spiritually dead. God created Adam and Eve. There was a fall. He gave them one job and said, don't do one thing. It was eat a fruit of a tree of knowledge. And what they do, they disobeyed they didn't need to know right or wrong they didn't need to have morals they didn't need to know anything all they needed to know is god said do not do one thing and they did it so at that point uh, they allowed for sin to enter the world we have a fallen human nature and that's why through the levitical law and the mosaic uh, you know the mosaic law they had sacrifices and ways to kind of uh, atone for their sins temporarily or whatever but, but it was all ultimately through faith in God, and he said, hey, do this. You're going to be my people. You're going to be set apart. So that's why they kept, uh, they kept the temple. They kept the laws of Moses. If you're a Gentile, these laws are never for you. And this was all a precursor to get to the coming Messiah that they were looking for so they could stop all these uh, sacrifices and all these laws and all these things they were doing because the Messiah was going to put everything right. When Jesus comes, like the Bible says, Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. He came from heaven to earth. He's always existed. God incarnate, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, that's Jesus. So when he shows up in human form, he came from heaven to earth, lived a perfect sinless life, never needed to sacrifice anything because he never broke any of the commandments. He kept everything perfectly flawless and never committed any sin. So when the Bible talks about the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, that's referring to Jesus as our perfect sacrifice. So even if you don't believe in God or Jesus or, you know, the spirituality stuff, the point is when Christians talk about sin, that means In secular terms, anything you regret, anything that you know you've done wrong and wish you hadn't, that's a sin. Any lie you've ever told, congratulations, you're on the sin side of things. You're not on the right side of God. That's all that means, anything that goes against God's commandments. So if you repent, that means the stuff you know you shouldn't be doing, stop it. If you consider yourself a good, moral, non-religious person, that's the stuff you should be doing anyway. When you know better, do better. Stop Stop what you know is wrong you shouldn't be doing. Call on the name of Jesus. The Jesus in the Bible, crack open a Bible, read the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that talks about Jesus. That's the Jesus you call on. Ask him to save you, forgive you, make you born again, give you eternal life, and you will be saved. You'll have the Holy Spirit of God living with you, leading you, and guiding you, and being uh, pulling on your conscience, convicting you when you do wrong. Read the Bible, learn of Christ, do what he says. So he says, if you believe in me, Romans 10, 9, 10 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised Jesus from the dead. Uh, you will be saved. And that means you will live forever in heaven with God. That's the only way to be reconciled to your creator. That is the gospel. Um, So anyways, if you stick around very long at all, you're going to hear messages very similar to that constantly. So if you joined us in one of the rare occasions where we're ranting about overpriced services or, you know, where Christians, uh, Christianity and religion intersects with politics like yesterday, um, that's the uh, exception, not the rule. So, um, there you go. That is the gospel. Does anyone have any questions about that? Welcome, Yvette. How are you?
3: Good. I actually do have a question about that. Sure. Um, well, the question is, like, when you're a reborn, it's because Jesus Christ lives in you, right? Yes. So Jesus is a is a Jew. He's he comes from the line of Judah, right? So when we live when we live in the spirit as a reborn, um, we're under the new covenant. But when we're living in the uh-huh. flesh, it doesn't take away that we're still a reborn. But uh, when we're living in the flesh, we're not in the spirit in the spirit which would mean like we're under the new covenant so does that mean that we come when we're in the flesh as reborns don't we come under condemnation through the law of the through the old covenant because the the old covenant is still in place for those who are outside of christ the jews right but us christians it doesn't take away that our nature has changed um, when we're in the flesh, right? So, which is why I ask, wouldn't that still, uh, the the old covenant affect us as reborns? I know for those who are not reborns, uh, it doesn't, like the old covenant, you know, it comes to effect for those who are the true Israelites, you know, the, like you said, the people, uh, the, the God's chosen people. But, you know, we also become God's chosen people as reborns through Christ Jesus. So that's my question. Does, I mean.
0: Uh, I'm, yeah. So
3: the old right, covenant has
0: nothing to do with you ever. Like if you're, if you're not, if you're not an Israelite, the old covenant never had anything to do with you. After Jesus, during Jesus, before Jesus, if you're a Gentile. You're never under the Old Covenant. Like, I mean, you had a fallen nature and you're under sin, but as far as the Levitical law, the Old Covenant, it was not for you. It was for the Israelites. If you're not an Israelite, the Old Covenant, just never let that enter your head. It was never, ever, ever for you at any time in this world, ever. Um, So I I would say that. And then also, uh, you know, we're not under the law at any time. So if you're born again, you're born again. You're stuck. So if you're truly born, Jesus says, you know— you're you're going to be held in his hand. He's never going to lose anyone that was given to him. So if you're truly born again, if you're truly saved and have the spirit of God living in you, we're told you're a new creation. You have a new heart. You have a bent towards God. You want to do what pleases God. Even if you find yourself living in the flesh or, you know, rebelling against your conscience, you know, Romans 14 says that is a sin. If you're not acting in faith and you do something that you, you believe you shouldn't do, Well, that's a sin, but that doesn't mean you go from like new covenant, old covenant, which is never for you anyways. But it doesn't mean you go from like, you know, being saved and not being saved or in God's good graces versus not in good graces. If you make a practice of it, you know, the Bible says, you know, followers of Christ don't make a practice of sinning. So if you make a practice of sinning and all you do is think of ways you can sin, then chances are you're you're not born again. Um, That's that's evidenced by your fruit. But if you're truly born again, you're going to be better and better, uh, more and more like Christ but when you do fall uh, because you're not perfect you're going to sin that doesn't mean you're like uh, like outside of god's inner circle and then back in and then good with god and then not good with god you're good with god the same amount no matter what because it's christ's sacrifice god if god looked at you anyways well, even in your good moments it filthy rags so if you're covered by the blood of christ that's all that matters so even when you're when you're doing great when you're following christ covered by the blood of jesus when you're doing terrible when you're when you're sinning when you're living in the flesh still covered by the blood of Christ, which is the whole point because when God's looking at you, he's seeing Jesus. That's that's the whole point. So it doesn't matter if you're, uh, you know, in a, having a high moment, just doing great, uh, or if you're in a really low moment, you know, in like some sort of funk or sin or whatever, um, Jesus is the answer for any scenario. So the only way to be outside of God's good graces is to legitimately never be born again.
3: Wow. Uh, you may- Go ahead, Chris. Go.
1: I'm
3: just saying hi. Hey, Yvette. Hey, Chris. <laughs> nice to meet <seeing> you. <laughs> you got mud on your face. <laughs> what it a big disgrace! disgrace. Uh-huh, your- <laughs> you got <laughs> <laughs> I feel like uh, so my Yvette, life does does
1: that one long queen song?
3: <laughs> yes, it is does answer my question, your- but then now I have a follow-up question. So, sure. My all right. My follow-up question wa- would be: Well, if the old, if no one was ever, in, I'm talking about the the Gentiles. If none, no Gentile was under the ever under the old covenant, then uh, wouldn't there still be consequence to sin? Like, because in the old covenant, everyone feels the Israelites feels the effects of the old covenant. So, what are the what are the effects of the for those who are outside of the old covenant? I mean, doesn't our knowledge of good and evil still affect us Gentiles? That would be my question. Uh, I'm not sure. I am 100% well, following. okay, so, you. so the old covenant, so like, mm-hmm. right? Go ahead.
1: So like in Romans chapter two, Paul covers this, right? He talks about where there is no law, there, you know, the the power of sin and death is not upon me, et cetera. So, so when, so when the Gentiles before the new covenant, um, they could become converts to Judaism, but just like anybody else who's never heard of Christ now, um, you know, pick, pick your favorite, you know, um, tribe of unreached people. You know, in some part of the world, you know, whatever whatever floats your boat, um, you know, Asia, South America, North America, wh- wherever you'd like to go, there's there's going to be people that have never heard of Jesus, have never heard of Christ. They are still under the same condemnation as everyone else because they have sinned just like everybody else. And so, the the thing about it is that Old Testament, the the people in the Old Covenant, we're saved the same way we are saved. That is through placing faith in things. I'm sure Nate brought up Genesis 15-6, right? So, and Abram believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So that's how everyone is saved. Believing God and it's credited to you as righteousness.
3: Oh! Oh, okay. Oh, I guess that's what was useful for the Old Covenant for the Israelites, right? Right, I get it now. And for everybody.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's like because, you know, they had had the law and stuff, but if they didn't believe God, they wouldn't follow the law, because why? So, I mean, the reason they follow the law is because God says, here's your law, do these things. That's why they did those things. So it was operating from faith. So even though they're, you know, doing sacrifices, doing rituals, doing all these other things, if they didn't believe there was a God or didn't believe any of this, well, they wouldn't do it. And they would show their lack of faith in God. So it's because they believed God when he says, hey, I'm God, do this, you're my people, I want you to do these things, and they did these things, they're showing their faith. Just like when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, believe me, and you'll live forever. Well, if you don't believe him, then you're demonstrating a lack of faith. If you believe Jesus, and he says, believe me, I'm the way, come through me, I'm the the gatekeeper, and you believe him, then you're expressing faith in God. Go ahead, Chris, I think I cut you off. No, you you
1: said it exactly.
3: That answered all my quest- all the following questions I have. Thank you so much.
1: We've answered all of your questions? That's impressive.
3: Yes, because I was gonna say what's the benefit of the old covenant? Because all it did is bring curses and then well you already answered Chris and then Nick yeah. continued.
1: And honestly the benefit of the old covenant was to separate a people for himself so that the line and the messiah could come. But the Mosaic Law was specifically put in place with its ceremonial provisions and all of the other provisions put forth in the in the Pentateuch. All of these things were put into place to separate himself and peculiar people that the line of the Messiah can come from. And that is also why in Acts chapter 10 that the ceremonial law is done away with because the Messiah has already been fulfilled and God has no reason to continue to separate a peculiar people for himself. Hey
2: right, Chris, do you want to
3: talk right. about uh, the so difference? Oh,
0: sure. y- you want to speak on the difference of covenants real quick? Because there's a few RV in chat saying uh, all people are under the Old Covenant, which is not talking about the same thing we're talking about. We're talking about the Abraham Covenant and the Mosaic Law. So anyways, he says all people are under the Old Covenant through the Eugenic Covenant, which Adam broke, i.e. original sin. We would all agree that original sin with the fall of humanity, but that's different than what we were talking about, but you want to speak on the difference of uh, covenants for a second? Yeah,
1: well, we also come through um, to God through the old covenant. It's just that Jesus has fulfilled the old covenant. So instead of us attempting to keep the strictures of the Mosaic covenant, um, we are saved through Jesus's perfect um, ability to keep the old covenant. That's why it says he fulfilled the old covenant is because he was able to perfectly keep every law that applied to him. And he applies that righteousness to us through his sacrifice on the cross. And so every one of us is judged on works. That's totally true. However, we're judged on the works of Christ, not our own works. So that's that's the key, is that God judges everyone according to the works he has done. Right? We see this in Revelation, but it's not... That for Christians, you're not judged on your own works. You're judged on the works of Christ, which is perfection. So that's the the doctrine of something called double imputation. And that's a big, fat word that just means His righteousness is applied to us, and so He stands in front of us, kind of like kind of like a an adult um, standing in front of their child, protecting them. You know, that the same thing applies to us as the holiness of God is laid onto Jesus, who being the second person of the Trinity is God's holiness. So we don't have to worry about um, us being alienated from God because we have a perfect mediator between us and the holiness of God, and that is the God-man, Jesus Christ. And so he gives us perfect righteousness, and in turn, we give him all of our sin. It says that our sin was nailed to the cross as a certificate of debt. It also says in 1 Peter 2.24 that he bore our sins in his body. So that is how we are able to stand before a perfect and holy and righteous God, not on our own merit or on our own works, but in what Christ has already done. Was that clear as mud? Did I hit too many? (laughs)
3: <laughs> All right. Amen. Amen.
0: All right, we solved the world Dr. problems. Doctor
1: Bo, and I see you down there. I'm, oh, he's not there anymore. I'm gonna say I'm gonna start reading his books.
0: Oh, um, there's a question from James. What verses do people point to in support of both continuationism and cessationism? um without even really thinking about this I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say probably the exact same verses
1: <laughs> Yeah I mean we point to first Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 um, you know and and we have to understand what the definition of continuationist and cessationist are in my definition of cessationist, Nate is a cessationist because and Nate would agree to this because, Nate does not think that there are apostles running around that can exercise the full power of God at their own will. Like these, there's not people running around with the quote-unquote gift of healing like the apostles had, where Peter can walk by in the market and if your if his shadow fell on you, you would be healed. Those people are not running around anymore. So when we say we're we're cessationists, we're not saying that God does not do the miraculous, nor do we say that the miraculous gifts have somehow ceased in terms of God-gifting healing or God-gifting this, that, or the other thing. It's the fact that there are not people that are like Elijah and Elisha or Moses and Aaron and Joshua and, you know, Paul and Peter and Jesus. Like, the, the apostles, the prophets, and the the fathers are not running around doing miracles at them. That's what a, that's what a cessationist says. And continuationists are defined incorrectly as well. Continuationists are sometimes painted as, oh, you believe that God does everything through these fake apostles like Todd Bentley and Benny Hinn. And that's not at all what somebody like Nate would believe. And so I think that the the difference is far smaller than people are willing to admit on both sides.
0: Yeah. So, uh, I think, uh, we could call Chris a continuationist under my definition. <laughs> yeah. I, I, agree with what Chris said. Right. Um, yeah. I think a lot of times the differences are so small, dude, it, it's just like, seriously, the compatibilism thing, like that, the free will, like a lot of these stark divides, like, you know, bring two people of two different circum, uh, two different, uh, bent, um, in here and they'll fight to the death. And, it shouldn't be that way. Like all it takes is a little bit of reasonableness on both sides. And you see that the divide is not nearly as far as you would initially think. Um, But that requires, you know, proper communication and understanding and everyone being reasonable. (laughs) But yeah, there you go, James. Hey,
1: Bob, I've actually been a Christian for 30, curse you. I must do math.
3: 34 years. I have one last question. Sure. Um, The curses that the Israelites received under the Old Covenant, would it be the same way a Gentile would receive the curses for sin? Or... No. I don't know. That's what my question is
0: well i mean there would, well first of all define curses but if it's the way the israelites (laughs) did yeah i mean if it's the way the israelites did i mean that would be by not doing something god says or if it's because you know they broke one of their laws well that wouldn't be a mosaic law for a, a gentile so if we're talking about that curses like the things that you know this will happen if you don't follow these laws well i mean if by happenstance but not specifically because the gentiles didn't have this law to break um that being said I mean, you know, if you want to look at the story of Pharaoh and the Egyptians, um, you know, you could you could call those curses and uh, say that that's a little bit different. Um, But I think I would I would just hand wave the whole discussion and say uh, you don't want to be on any side of any curse from God. So so be on the right side.
3: Go ahead. Right, Right, right.
1: So so when we talk about the curses, we're talking about the results of not following the Mosaic covenant. So when we're talking about the curses in Deuteronomy 28, so the Mosaic Covenant is specifically to those people at that time living in the land. And the Mosaic Covenant is specifically for, if you want to live in this land, you must do these things. right? Whereas the Abrahamic Covenant is a one-sided covenant. It is God saying, I am going to do all of these things. You will do nothing, and I will do all of these things. There's a huge gulf of difference between those two.
3: Right, right, right. Yeah, and I was like, you think uh, about, like
1: generational curses, like people that believe in generational curses, they just simply don't understand the context um, that's given in in Exodus 20. Um, they just don't, and so there's no such thing as generational curses in terms of oh. Your fathers did this, and so that's going to be passed down to you. In fact, it became a common thing that people believed in ancient Israel that there were generational curses. And in Ezekiel 18, the prophet takes on this belief and calls it pagan and talks about how this idea of generational curses is not true. And all through Ezekiel 18, the prophet is showing you know through God's voice why the idea of generational curses are not a thing.
3: Right, yeah, I was talking about the the 10 commandments, if you break them um the curses cuz the curse there's consequence to everything like right? if you dishonor your mother, if you steal bad things will happen to you. I'm I'm talking about like that kind of curse like um
0: well, the wages of sin is death.
3: Right. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, sorry, I'm not familiar with the consequence to um breaking those laws under the Jewish um covenant. Um, it's death, right? Okay, never mind. Forget it.
0: Well, I mean, think about yeah, that. I mean, right. if you want to, I, I mean, yeah. if you want to look at like the biggest, you know, quote curse. I mean, yeah. what, what's the first commandment? Uh, love the Lord God with all mm-hmm. your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And yeah. if, if you're someone who's a pagan barbarian tribesman somewhere, you're not following that God. You're not loving the God of the Bible with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So, you know, you're, you're not following the commandment, you're breaking the commandment. So what's your, uh, what's your prize curse for that? Well, eternal separation from God.
3: Right.
0: I mean, so if we're talking about like, you know, the, I mean, you wouldn't really call that a mm, curse maybe. I mean, but, um, like when, when David, uh, you know, they, they take the Ark of the Top, the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant, and, uh, you know, they broke out with boils and all these other stuff. I mean, you could call that a type of a curse, but still, that's nothing compared to, you know, the, the biggest curse on mankind. Uh, you know, if you don't follow God, um, well, th- there's nothing worse than that.
3: Right, right, right. Yeah, um, and I was thinking about one of the yeah. consequence to breaking the laws of moses would was um for adultery would be death so death i mean that it's not practice for gentiles if you commit adultery there's no consequence so there's no curse that comes with it such as that because i know like god uses um i guess the J- jewish people to um do the uh, um punishments you know which is a curse right for adultery so that that answered my question it's not the there aren't any curses that gentiles would um would experience if they um break the 10 commandments um just eternal separation would would already was already in effect for gentiles and the jewish people they had god through the old covenant and like chris said you had to convert to judaism if you wanted you know god to be in your life yeah so yeah things that answered my question
0: Chris, any words of wisdom, or are you looking how to break into uh, your client and help them?
1: <laughs> oh, I already did that. I'm done. I'm, like, driving to my oh. office to get some equipment, <laughs> and then I'm driving up to another client. So, um, oh. so yeah, you got me for a while more. So, um, So, yeah, Bob, why do we believe in the Trinity? Because the Bible teaches the Trinity. Could I break that down for you? Probably. Would it take me like four or five hours? Probably. Am I super interested in doing that for you for the 87th time? Probably not. So move on to question two, Bob. You said you had 10 questions. 10 questions, Lord. He had 10 questions, man. I'm waiting with bated breath for number
0: two. Well, just list them all quick, so then we can pick the ones that we want to go in in the order in which they appeal to us. Um, Well, while you're typing, uh, Bob, I did see an article this morning. It was some, some, Oh, where was it from? It was some physicist and cosmologist, blah, blah, blah. Of course it is. And they were saying, um, you know, the um, afterlife is proven scientifically impossible. And everyone's like ooing and awing. I'm like, what that means is science won't speak to it yet. So you have a guy doing something science, um, you know, would not say. So instead of assign, assigning likelihood, Um, this guy's like, it says absolutely, it is scientifically impossible. And he was basing this, like the whole part, like, I'm like, oh, let's read this. Let's see what it is. Maybe there's something new. No, there is nothing new under the sun. Um, Good job, Solomon. So the whole premise of this guy, he was saying that uh, the reason um, the afterlife is scientifically impossible, he was reducing it down to atoms uh, atoms and particles. I'm like, you're talking about natural stuff that you can see and you can measure. I'm like, dude, this argument was like, like you, this is not new, like particles and technology maybe, but as far as, you know, people for thousands of years, I mean, even Jesus are saying this is a spiritual matter. So like, we're talking about like this, this stuff that by nature is unseen. It's not, you know, it's not visible, um, no matter what kind of microscope you have. So we're talking about other dimensions, spiritual world, like, you know, heavenly beings. So the fact that you're saying, well, we don't know what happens to particles and blah, blah, blah. And they won't, you know, they won't last forever in the order they are. Um, therefore, um, no afterlife. That's so ridiculous. What you mean to say is, oh, in this natural world, there is no afterlife as the Christians explain it. And I would say I agree, but that's not how Christians explain it. Christians believe that this heaven place is in some sort of ascended, glorified body, um, you know, not like natural atoms and particles. Um, so, anyways, that was a letdown. I spent three minutes of my life reading that this morning.
1: Oh, you mean crass materialism? No idea. (laughs) That guy's a genius. This is why physicists should stay in their lane and not try to do philosophy because they suck at it. Wait, do we get question two? Yeah, question two is why do we believe in imputed righteousness? Well, you haven't answered that yet. Go ahead. Yeah, I answered it like 20 minutes ago, but I guess we can go again. So, um, you know, imputed righteousness is the belief that um, we as sinners cannot earn our own salvation, and so the fact is that we need something besides something we can do in our own power. Jesus came to be specifically, and when he is. Um crucified, raised again, sorry, crucified again to new life, he offers us his righteous life to stand in for ours. And so the reason we believe in imputed righteousness is because no other there there can be no other type of righteousness. Because if there were, then the sacrifice of Jesus would be useless. And so I mean I mentioned Colossians 2:14, 1 Peter 2:24. Uh, there's Romans 5:17 through 21. Um, yeah I mean, yes, that is all the, that is all the things about imputed righteousness.
0: and welcome uh, Joanne. Yeah we usually um, yeah we've been here a while. We usually uh, do this uh, around Monday through Friday type times, uh, usually around 8:30 ish Eastern until um, I don't know. Eleven, usually.
1: Oh, feel cool free to
0: jump up and chat if
1: you like. Yeah. So Bob Wherever is also now saying that God did not impute righteousness to Noah. That is false. <laughs> it's like the only way anybody gets to heaven is by the imputed righteousness of God. Genesis fifteen six. Bob and Abram believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. That is the point, my friend. And so when we say Noah gained salvation, it wasn't through his own works or his own righteousness because none is righteous. No, not one. There is no one who um, is perfect. I mean, you know, Romans 3.23, um, you know, all through the Psalms, all of us are born in sin all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God why would we think that Noah somehow earned his salvation over and against all of the scriptural evidence? It makes no sense.
0: Well, I mean, the only, I mean, I'm, I'm, I was thinking, I'm like, well, what you just said about, you know, Genesis or, you know, Hebrews where it harkens back to Abram, you know, faith accounted to righteousness. I'm like, I want to say that, but surely he's got to be thinking of something else because it, I mean, it says it multiple times in the Bible. So what is he saying? And I guess that's it. So, I mean, Really, the, the only way to argue with that is say you don't believe the Bible. Because, I mean, the Bible says it. Like, this This doesn't require interpretation, which is always great, because it puts it on black and white. So it's like, look, here is your answer. It's like a sentence. So, I mean, if, if you still don't believe that, then you, the only out you have is to say the Bible's not true. Uh, but welcome, Joanne. How are you? Welcome to our little corner of clubhouse. Are you speaking? Just hit the mute button if you wanted to speak. if you could find it. Just let us know.
4: <laughs> you you know me. You know I couldn't find the bike. No, I'm just, <laughs> I was just really enjoying it. I didn't know this room existed, but I sure hope to be back.
0: Well, we're glad you're here. Uh, yeah, we've, we've been here for a while, and we, we try to have, um, you know, because there's no shortage of yelling and screaming Christian rooms, so we, we try to have a, a little more civil uh, civil dialogue about it, and hopefully, you know, say things in, in a little bit calmer voices. It gets heated sometimes, but, um, yeah, that's, that's our goal. So, you know, to really share the gospel and what we, be, what we believe and why we believe it. Well, thank, so, you. Uh, yeah.
4: thank you for having me.
0: Do you have any uh, topics of interest on your mind or are you just hanging out and listening?
4: I just saw, um, that it seemed to be a Christian room. So I wanted to listen.
0: Awesome. Are, are you a Christian or any type of yes. religious person? Okay.
4: I believe in the Trinity: the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I believe that we all deserve hell, but Christ saved us on the cross. And I believe that work gets us nowhere. Faith—it's all faith in in Christ. But I think that we want to do His work because of what he has done for us but will that get will that alone get us to heaven absolutely not
0: i agree with what you said well i'm glad you're here and welcome and welcome steph and insulin with a with a tagline like part-time ninja i had to send you an invite i uh, don't feel obligated but if you like join us hey steph good morning
3: good morning i have a meeting at 9:30, so i'm just listening
0: All right. Would anyone else like to jump up? Surely someone's got to have a question somewhere. I'm sitting here. I'm like, I haven't had enough
1: coffee. I'm sitting here trying to figure out a witty repartee for Steph this morning.
0: I just got nothing. (laughs) I mean, we can go through the usual, like, you know, something about usurpers or women pastors or... um... Wait,
5: Chris, Uh you're going to start
3: throwing darts with your PTR looking like that. I just want to confirm... That that's how you want this morning to go.
1: I choose violence.
3: <laughs> Clearly. Um, uh, Seth, uh, the, his picture. Look at this. Look at his face.
0: Yeah, I, I told him he looked like a walker from The Walking Dead.
3: Yeah, uh, I could where, see that. Yeah. Where,
0: where were you going with that, though?
3: I don't know, some kind of insane asylum escapee. I, I was forming it still.
0: Oh, I, was, I went straight to Walking Dead. Yeah,
3: that
0: um, works. You know, there was another one. It wouldn't fit my PTR. I was going to change it. But, um, you know, let's let's ruffle some feathers. Um, that, also this morning, Facebook groups are great for uh, starting controversy. Christian Facebook groups. So um, there was one. It was like, you know, in... Um, and it's always like non, non-believers who, you know, post the most like kind of irritating memes, but because it's not just like, Oh, good point. Wow. I should do a, I should do a better job as a Christian, but it's like usually semi-accurate. It's like, well, okay, this is the Christian answer, but why is this the answer? Like, this is how Christians act, but why is it Christians act? And, you know, it's something about like how, um, atheists are better than Christians and Christians are terrible. Well, this one was like the 99 sheep and, uh, you know, 99 black and white sheep and, uh, Jesus uh, shows up and he has one sheep on his back and they're like jesus uh what are you doing he's like uh, i found the lost one and they're like jesus we kicked that one out he's like i know but i found the lost out of the 99 and i'm like oh nice and then but it goes on to show that the lost one was like a you know lgbtqia striped sheep and um the point the poster was trying to make is you know look how unloving and intolerant christians are blah 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 i'm like well okay As far as you know, quote kicking them out um, or not uh, the biblical way to say that is yes, that is the response. But the way you get that is Christians are not tolerant of the sin, just like in Revelation. So that you know that's that's not to imply that it was a repentant sheep and they're like, oh look, I know you know this is a sin. The Bible calls this a sinful lifestyle, depending on which part of the LGBTQIA+ they are involved in. Um, Then you know the Bible calls this a sin. Therefore, I'm in willful disobedience. I've hardened my heart and I'm sinning and I'm not changing. Paul kicks someone out of the church for, you know, regular fornication, uh, straight fornication with, you know, like the what mother, mother-in-law or stepmother and son. So, um, you know, that didn't fly. So that would be like, oh, I found this guy. And he's like, no, I'm living in sin with my mother-in-law or whatever. That's not good. So in Revelation, you know, we're, he also, Jesus holds something against one of the churches that is too tolerant of sin and is complacent and not addressing it. So I'm like, no, your, your uh, meme is accurate. And that is the way Christians should respond. I mean, you know, they shouldn't do it with hate and vitriol. They should do it in love, loving and kindness and hope that this person comes to repentance. That's the goal. Um, but if they don't, then yes, that's the answer. It's like, you know, don't have these people among you. You come out and be separate. Anyway, who wants to say anything about that? No one? Wonderful. All right, there I am. just all by myself.
1: Bob, what's your next question?
0: expected something from you, Chris. Nope. Not today. No, so. not going to touch that one. Okay. You know, well, you, I guess here I am saying that's the biblical response. So, uh, so don't tolerate <laughs> sin. Uh, don't hate people. Don't be mean to people. But also, yeah. you know, follow your convictions and be like, look, if you're going to live a lifestyle of what the Bible identifies as clear sin, then I'm sorry. But you can't be part of us.
1: I mean, there's nothing to disagree with there. Um, Thank you, Chris. That's all I wanted. Oh, there you go. All right, I'm glad I could glad I could provide that for you. But uh, what was I gonna say? Dang it. Um,
3: uh, you were about to hate oh, on yeah. the Westlands, is what you were about. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. To no, the Asbury
1: revival. So, so the college president's like, okay, revival over. Everybody went home. That's that's what happened this week. I was like okay, like, wait, what? Really? Like, revival over? Like, we're just like, revival over. And now it's revival over. I thank you for your question, James. <laughs> uh, James uh,
0: asks, uh, the Bible explicitly condemns homosexuality, but what about transgender individuals? Um, I would have maybe a little different view. So the common Christian answer for the one saying that the Bible condemns it would be something that's totally off base and, and just, just wrong, not, not for a belief. It's just because people misunderstand the perspective, which would be they would quote like some law, which by the way, if you're a Gentile, never applied to you, about men wearing women's clothes and women wearing men, men's clothes. And they would say, see, that, that right there is a sin. So first of all, the law doesn't apply to them if they're not an Israelite. Secondly, if you're a transgender person, the position they're coming from, typically, of all the ones I've spoken with, um, so maybe there's one that disagrees, but all the ones I've spoken with, you know, would say that uh, if it, it would be wrong, assuming they were trying to follow the Mosaic law for some reason, it would be wrong for them if, let's say they were born, um, everyone says they were born a male, and, or they were born a female, or, or ah, born a male, and now they identify as a female, or they've always identified as a female. They would say they're following that law, because for them, since they say they are a woman, even though they were born male, everyone says they were assigned male at birth, um, if they wear the clothes of a male... That's not who they really are. So they would be breaking that law to wear male clothes just because everyone else says they are male. They say they're a woman. So they're actually following that law by wearing women's clothes. So none of that applies. Um, in addition to that, some of the not-so-biblical arguments would be something like, well, God doesn't make mistakes. I mean, you could get some scriptures for that, but the, the trope is God doesn't make mistakes. You were born. How are you supposed to be? So those would be kind of the condemning Bible, Christian condemning arguments um, that says the Bible says it's wrong or God says it's wrong. Um, and then, you know, they would quote some stuff about homosexuality, which again, from the transgender person's perspective, it would not be homosexuality. So if they're like, I'm telling you, I am a woman. And, uh, you know, if you tell me I'm a man, so I should be with women, um, that that's bad because that would be like homosexuality because I'm telling you I'm a woman. So if I was with a woman, that would be homosexuality because I'm telling you I'm a woman just because you say I'm a man. If, uh, you say I should be with a woman. Because outward appearances, that would be sin. So I'm technically following the Bible. Um, so I would say, first of all, it doesn't matter. Like if you're not, you know, in God's eyes, married male and female, then it's all all sin, all fornication anyway. So it doesn't matter what sex you are. Um, so that's what I would say about that. Um, to the God doesn't make mistakes thing, I would say, yeah, that's true. I think God designs you exactly how you're supposed to be. I think, though, because of this fallen nature, this fallen sin world, um, that's how you get things that are different than you know what god's permissive will chris did i get that right would be or maybe not because you could to do stuff anyways so for example permissive. if because of okay so like if sin for example or just like chemicals i don't know like all the toxic crap we've done like you don't think there's going to be some weird stuff going because of the ohio train wreck wreck in a few years like i'm sure some people who you know would otherwise had that not happened, be born just fine and great and anatomically correct and whatever But because of all these like toxic stuff or BPA or any of this other nasty stuff like seeping into the ground or water or food, um, that could totally cause like some stuff to go haywire, I believe, in biology and brain chemistry and chemical makeup. So it doesn't mean God wants you to be designed confused. It doesn't mean God wants you to design a certain way. It could very well be, and I believe, just another byproduct of this fallen sin world. Um, That that being said, James, I'll shut up now. Um, In a minute, I'll shut up. Uh, so if someone is transgender, I don't believe like the fact of that, uh, if they're just like, you know, I'm born, I look like a male. Everyone tells me I'm a male as assigned male at birth, but I feel a woman. If that's as far as they take it, just because that's kind of like starting ground. Like they just think, okay, I feel like a female. I, I identify as a female. Um, I don't think the Bible inherently condemns that because there's nothing to condemn. It's just like a thought saying, okay, well, everyone says I'm a male, but I, I think I could be a woman, but then how far do you take that? How far do you act on that? do you start getting into, um, you know, does that interfere with who you date? Because homosexuality has to do with the act. So, like, if two dudes hook up, well, that that's an act. It takes, you know, it takes two to tango. Um, so, for tr- being transgender, like, that doesn't mean you're hooking up with anyone on its face. I mean, you could be transgender and live in the mountains, completely celibate and isolated, and no one can say you're doing fornication because there's no one to fornicate with. So, if you're just saying how you identify, then on its face, I don't think the Bible condemns that, Other than if you have convicted, by the way, this is assuming someone cares about God. So if you're a transgender person, you're like, no, I don't care about God. I don't care about Jesus. I don't care about religion. Do what you want. Like, you know, I mean, you're going to have a, whether or not that is a problem. The problem is you, you are rejecting the God of the Bible. So it doesn't matter if, you know, transgenderism is a sin or homosexuality is a sin, or you've told one little lie that puts you in the category of all of humanity. Like we have all sinned. So it doesn't matter what your particular sin is. It's not even worth debating at that point. It's like if you don't acknowledge Jesus and you don't put your faith in him alone to save you, then do what you want. Nothing else matters. So for the very, very small amount of people who identify as transgender and also Christian, uh, not like I'm a Christian spiritualist, but like Bible-believing, gospel-repent, believe the gospel, Christian, um, for them, it it would have to be – assuming they're not doing anything else the Bible outright condemns, it would have to be a Romans 14 issue if they truly feel convicted in their heart what they're doing is wrong and they go ahead and do it anyways, then for them, that is sin. And that doesn't mean that the transgender issue for them is a sin. It means they're violating their own conscience. And that is
1: the sin. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> hey, Steph, I'm a better woman than you.
3: Uh, that's probably correct. Actually. Yep. I would, I would believe that.
6: <laughs> is, it Cal-
0: a, is it your it your was- Calvinism keeping you away from this conversation, Chris? <laughs>
1: I just I, I just I, I mean I think you're you're saying stuff and it's good it's fine I'm not gonna get into it but um but Bob Bob I just want to know would it be easier for you to find the Christian doctrines that you actually agree with because it seems like everything you bring up is a Christian doctrine that you're saying is false so' I'm just I'm wondering if if maybe the opposite would be easier
3: all right I'll be back
1: Felix, welcome, Felix. She's got to go give birth to more babies.
6: (laughs) Good morning, good morning. Now, um, Nate, you said something interesting. You said that. Oh, hang on. (laughs) One second.
0: Uh, Bob and Baptize, I think, are complaining that I haven't invited them. Um, Baptize says Nate doesn't allow people who challenge him. Baptize, all I do all day long is allow people to challenge me. I welcome it. However, we've spoken to you and Bob combined. Bob, not nearly as much. I just met Bob. Um, But uh, we've spoken for hours and hours about the exact same thing. So um, for the record, you're going to come up and say something about, hey, I have a question about this scripture. And see, this means how you know the Holy Spirit, Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Water baptism is a thing of the past. And we're going to say no, and we're going to give you all the verses and all the evidence and all the resources. And you're just going to talk for as long as we let you, unless we finally kick you off the stage trying to prove that you have to be saved by crying literal water tears of H2O. And when you repent and when you are baptized, it has to be by the Holy Spirit. The only way you are saved is if you cry literal tears. And we're going to tell you how that's heretical. There's going to be a couple Christians who don't know you and they're going to try to slow walk you through this and you're not going to take it because, you know, they don't know you and I'm going to have to shut it down and it's going to cause a lot of chaos. And then Christians are going to be like, he needs the gospel. Why are you shutting him down? I'm like, bro, we've talked to this guy for months. And then they're going to be like, oh, okay, I see. And they're like, no, no, go ahead and take time. Talk to him. And then like 20 minutes later, they're going to realize what I've been telling them and it's just going to waste everyone's time. So the peace of Jesus be with you, but no, I'm not entertaining the same stuff. Go ahead, Felix.
1: One of my favorite things to do in clubhouse is get some new apologist and then introduce them to Patrick and be like, here, talk to this guy for a while and then just dip. And it's just (laughs) glorious.
0: Uh, Felix, sorry. Go, go ahead. No,
6: you're good. Um, You mentioned something about, and correct me if I'm, if I misunderstood what you said, but you said that, the sin would be the actual homosexual act. That would be condemned, right? But not a homosexual thought. Did I understand right?
0: Uh, okay, so, I mean, if you're going to talk about, like, you know, lustful thoughts, then, yeah, I mean, Jesus identifies as sin. But if someone's like, uh, that's also different than if someone says, you know, I really feel like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a homosexual uh, male and um, I'm not acting on it. I'm not doing anything about it. You know, I'm a living a life of celibacy. This is my cross to bear. Um, if I were to, you know, have a relationship with anyone, it would have to be with a man. I recognize that's wrong. Therefore, I don't do it. I remain celibate. I dedicate all my time to Christ. Um, but if, if that's just their uh, proclivity, then no, I, I I don't think the Bible condemns that at all. If you're like, uh, you know, just like any other straight person. I mean, Jesus talks about if you look at someone with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. So I think that would apply. So if people are dealing with lustful thoughts and acting on those, you know, you yeah, know, um, then I think, you know, that that would be sinful, just like straight people, homosexuality people. It, it doesn't matter. It's all sin. But if someone's just like, you know, for, for me, for example, I'm like, you know, I, I um, identify someone who would love to have, I don't know, a harem full of a thousand women. Um, well, I know that's sinful. I know that would be wrong. Um, so, you know, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to act on that. And by, I mean, I can't afford to act on that. But you know what I mean? Like if I was like a Solomon or something with his like 900 wives or concubines and all this stuff. It's like a, if, if that's the type of life I wanted to live, I know that would be sinful. That would be fornication. And that would be adultery because I'm already married. Um, so I couldn't do that. But if I'm just like, well, yeah, you know, if, if I am, um, if I were left to my own devices, then that's what I would do. But I recognize that would be sinful and wrong. Therefore, I will just um, not do that. So, I mean, there, there's nothing condemned there. Does that answer your question, Felix? So when you, yeah, like you said, thoughts and stuff. If it gets into where Jesus talks about lustful thoughts, then yeah problem.
6: Okay, so is there a distinction between a homosexual and an effeminate man?
0: Yes. Yeah, of course there has to be. I mean, I mean just unless someone's going to correct me, Chris feels free to feel free to speak to this, but I'm thinking, you know, you can see like just in our in our popular culture, like on TV, on movies, like, you know, interviews, probably you know someone, um, you know, when you uh You can see very aggressive, like, uh, masculine-type men that are like, yeah, I like dudes. And then you can see very, very effeminate – like, oh, gosh, the TV show. It comes on after – I don't watch it um, because it annoys me. His voice annoys me. But it comes on after a show I watch on TV sometimes. It's Chris Lino's Best. Like, that guy strikes me as, like, super effeminate. But he's married with lots of kids and I think also serving time for tax evasion. But So, yeah, we see examples of what you would call effeminate men who are seemingly straight – and, and no precludes towards homosexual desires. Uh, then you see very aggressive, like masculine dudes that are like, yeah, I just like dudes.
6: So there's a, there, the reason why I ask that is because there's a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9, and I have it in Spanish, but I mean go to the English. I'll go to the KJV, if you don't mind. It says, it says know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? It says, "Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers. Here it is, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind." And the way that Spanish translates this, it uses the word effeminate, and then the next thing it says, it's to those men that sleep with men. So it's, to me, it's making a distinction between an effeminate person and those that actually, those men that actually sleep with men. But nevertheless, in the verse, both are condemned the same way. You, you follow what I'm
0: saying? Yeah, I follow what you're saying. And also in other parts, you know, it would actually use, like, I, I don't know about King James, but like, it wouldn't always say effeminate. So when it's talking about, like, you know, all these people will have their part in the lake of fire, murderers, sorcerers, adulterers, uh, homosexual, homosexuals. So I'm not sure how the King James says it. But, yeah, I mean, there's, there's parts in there that would say um, – it wouldn't always say effeminate when it's talking about homosexuals. I but, yeah, that. I would say there's a distinction. Like, there, you know, if you're an effeminate man who's also a homosexual – then there's really no way out for you, <laughs> um, but but yeah, you can you can have one without the other.
6: The Spanish the Spanish agrees with the King James because it uses effeminate, whereas other other translation uses fornicators instead of effeminate.
0: I would want to know what that, the you know what? Let's just check that out. Let's let's see the actual word used. And but of what I'm saying is even even the King James it doesn't it, it can't always use every time it's talking about homosexuality it can't always use effeminate. Like I, I'm I'm just. Without researching it, I'm confident saying that. So I know that in the Corinthians it does, but um, you know, I'm specifically thinking the part where it says, you know, all these people too will have their part in the lake of fire. Like every time it's talking about homosexuality, it can't always use a feminine. Like even in King James, I'm sure. But yeah, what's what's the actual chapter and verse? Let's just see what's going on. First
6: Corinthians is. chapter six and verse
0: nine. I'm gonna need that again. Hang on.
6: Yeah. First, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Okay. Verse 9.
0: And isn't it helpful that the uh, Strong's and Coordinates is also in the King James? Okay, 6 (laughs) 9. Okay. Um, No, I don't want tools. Just give me the answer. Okay. Strong's 31.20. Malakos. Sounds like Malak, just saying. <laughs> you know, I, this makes me have questions about this. I don't know if... Um,
6: oh, did you read one of the Chris... definitions? Did
0: you well, read? no, I mean, it, no, I mean, effeminate is what you think it is. But, okay, so it means uh, Malakos is, is the, the word, the Greek word. And it talks about of uncertain affinity soft mm-hmm. i.e., fine clothing you know figuratively like a, a pampered you know what what you would now think of like as an effeminate person that's that's very much like that but <laughs> um, yeah so I mean that I mean that's that's the actual word um, it is but I'm I mean what do you think about that Chris that makes me have some questions I mean by the way we didn't need to go to strong strongs just verified that that's exactly what we thought it was but I, I still would have a hard time getting my head around like if someone is is effeminate in the way we're thinking, not a homosexual. there's like, nope, straight to the fire with you. Like you're <laughs> you're a metrosexual, out. Chris, you got to stop using those uh, fine fine uh, moisturizers.
5: Would that not include women as well if they're like you know dressed? Uh, what's that? Does that word not include women too?
0: Uh, No, Um, and I think the difference, again, without researching this, would be effeminate versus feminine. Like, I I, I mean, if you're a woman, I assume that you would want feminine qualities uh, in the context we're talking about, but to be effeminate, um, where could I find out if that's gender exclusive?
5: I actually That's a good question, had, though. I actually just had a quick question about if somebody's born with male and female sex organs, could they engage in sex at all without it being homosexual sex?
0: That's a great question. And I'd say the Bible talks about man looks at the outward appearance, what you just said, but God judges the heart. So, it, again, assuming this person, since, I mean, we're talking about, like, Point zero 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 something percent of of all humanity to ever live. Um, okay, let's let's add zero zero one. It's it's more common than that. But since we're talking about a very minuscule part of humans to have ever lived, then further narrow it down between those people who are actually professing Christians. Um, so like the three people to have ever lived that would apply to, it would have to be a Romans 14 issue. So it's like look. I, I, I don't know if I'm a man or a woman. I, I could be both. I have both. I, am I one or the other? I don't know. Whatever internal dialogue they're going on, they're going on with, whatever they truly feel as led by God, act on that. Um, so if you're following your heart, if you're following God, then uh, that's the answer. So if you act in faith that what you're doing is right because the Bible does not speak to this, um, then it has to be because the Holy Spirit is convicting you. So if you feel convicted about something or unsure and you do it anyways— then that's sin. So it feels like, Hey, I could go, I could go either way. I could be a man or a woman. And, you know, they, they um, choose one and they have some sort of conviction in their heart. Um, are they deceiving themselves or are they deceiving others? Is that bad? And they're like, you know what? No, I want, I want to do this anyways because I deserve to be happy. And they go ahead and make the choice and they feel bad about it. Like feel guilty. Um, that's a sin. If um, in some scenario, they make a choice, they feel at peace. They're like, yes, I have prayerfully considered this. Uh, this this is the right answer. I have full confidence in God. Then, I mean, according to the Bible, for them it would be fine. Uh, that being said, we're not getting into the super specifics. Um, but yeah, that would be something that's like, you know, the Bible says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That would be a definite case that would apply to. So it's easy for us who you know may have partners or be married or whatever, and you know have have love in our life. Just because you have a you married doesn't always mean you have love in your life, but you know what I mean. Just because we have companionship um, is easy for us to, to be like, oh, well, you should just be celibate, you know, take the error um, on the side of caution. But if you want to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, that may be your cross to bear. If you're like, look, I just don't have peace about this either way. Um, I, I know I could tell the world I could pass for either. I could tell the world this. I could have a companionship, whatever. Um, but I want to please God more than my selfish desires. So. I will be celibate and dedicate my my whole life to the service of Christ. And who knows, they could be the the next great missionary of our time, used by God for that, and you know, store up treasures in heaven, like Jesus says. On the other thing, it's like we talked about the homeless, like everyone's got their trials and tribulations, even straight people, right? So I mean it's like me, it's like even if there's someone who's married and they're like, oh no, I didn't realize my wife tricked me, you know, she's unloving, blah, 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 or my husband's terrible. Um, all all these other things. It's like, oh, I should just divorce them. Well, it's your cross to bear. You got married before yourself and God, so suck it up and deal with it. Um, anyway, so, that, that would be my answer.
5: Are you kind of saying that if I live my life thinking I'm doing the right thing, and in my heart I genuinely think it's the right thing, that I'm unable to sin in God's eyes because he sees me? My-
0: well, we're all going to sin. So, I mean, that's one thing. Like, we, I mean, we should sin less and less, being new creatures in Christ. But if I never feel talks... guilty
5: and never realize I'm sinning because it seems right to me. That's what
0: I... Yeah. So, Paul talks about, you know, have a clear conscience before God. Like, basically keep short short accounts. So, you know, we're told that the prayers of a righteous man are, you know, fervent and effective. So, there is a, a call to this. So, if you're someone, like you say, like you truly have a clean conscience before God, uh, you know, you, you may... Tell like a white lie a year and fall on your face before God and repent and express sorrow and remorse. But generally speaking, you do everything fine. You're like, nope, not sinning a day, not sinning a day. And assuming this is also because you know the Bible doesn't contra- god doesn't contradict Himself. So there's plenty of things in the Bible that it says are sinful um, and keeps us, you know, tells us to be wary and warned about. So assuming you're not doing any of those, which would be probably very, very few people. Because we, there's plenty of stuff in the Bible to keep us busy. But assuming that someone is able to do all the Bible, the stuff the Bible says is not sin, and they have faith about whatever they're doing. Like you know, the Bible says you can, you can drink alcohol. It doesn't forbid that, but it forbids. It says getting drunk is a sin, and wine is a mocker. So if you're like, no, I have three glasses of red wine a day, I'm not drunk, therefore I'm not sinning. The yeah, um, what was the thing you said? Like you could feel good before God or feel good about your salvation or
5: because He sees not the outside, He sees the inside. So he can see Um, that I, you know, felt that I was right throughout doing all this stuff, whether it was technically a sin or not.
0: Yes. The premise is if you're doing something, again, like I can't stress this enough. If the Bible calls it a sin and you do it anyways and say, I feel good about this, even though the Bible says it's right, you're wrong. Because, you know, we believe the Bible doesn't contradict itself, neither does God. So assuming they're like, nope, nothing in the Bible calls what I'm doing a sin. um, Therefore, I live my whole life by faith and I'm not doing anything that convicts me congratulations you're better than like everyone on the planet um because you know there's even like the the greatest christians i know uh, if you're like hey what's one of your big struggles they're going to point out something in the bible um because you know we i mean like i said there's plenty to keep us busy like i will never be that person in question if someone's like hey uh you know are you struggling with anyone from any problems today or are you doing everything in faith i'm like oh man look here, here's a chapter and verse where I've got problems. Here's a chapter and verse where I've got problems. Like I'm trying my best. I'm saved by the blood of Jesus. God sees Jesus when he sees us. So it doesn't matter that you, that you do sin because you're not exempt. Of course, we should try not to sin, but we have an advocate with the father, Jesus. And that's exactly the reason Jesus died for us because we will sin and cannot save ourselves. So someone should still feel good. I mean, they shouldn't feel good about sinning, but even when they do sin, they should still not feel like bad to come to god or like oh my parents gonna kill me it should be like oh i messed up i need to call my parents i mean that that's the feeling because yeah, you know christ good. is already thank
5: you for your answer yeah. that's the, that's that's answered my question actually uh, i would just like to say i think uh intersex people are known to be as common as people with red hair nowadays so i'll just leave on that
0: now is that a sin to have be a ginger just kidding just kidding
5: well they don't have souls so maybe
0: prophets from South Park told us that. All right, Joanne, it's you and I, unless anyone else wants to jump up here. Would anyone else like to jump up here? Hey, Matt and Matt, welcome. Uh, Joanne, you have anything else on your mind? Oh, welcome back, Chris.
4: I'll just tell you that Matt, that just joins my husband.
0: Oh, okay. Well, if you would like to join us for a minute and say hi, that's uh, totally fine. Otherwise, no obligation. Uh, Chris, are you speaking? Oh, Matt and Joanne are great. Oh, you know them? Yep. Well, why didn't you say so? From here.
1: From there, not like in real life. Like, I mean, if. Matt walked up and bit me, I'd be like, who's this strange guy biting me? <laughs> If
0: he was doing that in faith, would it be sin?
2: I mean, I
1: guess not. I probably had it coming.
0: Well, that's, yeah. Testify.
1: Um, Bro, I just had the best client call. This guy's way behind on bills with me. Like, he owes me, like, a couple grand. And he's like, hey, man, I need blah, 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 fixed. Oh, and I'm like, awesome. You know what I need fixed? All your back invoices. Century王> and the guy's like, oh, yeah, no, I'll get that to you. I'm like, you know what? I will be happy to get to your project when you get that to me. Well, you don't have to be like that. And I'm like, I guess I do because you haven't uh, paid me. Like, what else do you want me to do? I'm not running a charity. You want, you want to run up your bill more and not pay me more? like are you kidding like no pay me what you owe me then i'll jump on your project thanks
6: (laughs) i
0: thought you were gonna say he like paid you all right then
1: nope i'm like i don't know what you're gonna do because i'm the only one who can fix it so i guess you're just not gonna run your restaurant i don't know oh that's
0: perfect what kind of restaurant is it like a deli or a
1: no this is a very high-end um mexican restaurant like $40 $40 entree type Mexican restaurant. So, you know, they have money.
0: Oh my gosh, $40 entree at a Mexican restaurant? That's That must be super high end.
1: It is beautiful. I mean, like, you know, they, they spend like $400,000 on their ceilings. Like, I mean, this this place is no slouch. And like, by two grand, they're just like, yeah, we'll get to it when we get to it. And I'm like, no, if you want anything fixed, you'll get to it today.
0: Oh, <laughs> Wait, was it, uh, not to, not to be, uh, wow, we've, we've offended everyone else. Let's just say, um, not to be, not to be racist, but was this, um, a like Anglo person or a Mexican person? Because a lot of times I found that, uh, you know, to the detriment of white people, um, they just cannot do Mexican restaurants. And when you do it, some sort of like fusion hybrid. And I always leave disappointed. Like when you walk in and it's like a very Americanized, like, um, you know, very white people type restaurant. It always fails, and I do not like it. Was it one of those?
1: To be honest, like I have never even met the owner, so I mean, I'm so far away from meeting the owner. Like this guy's a like a like a super rich dude, so like, I don't know anything about him. Like, well, you've know, been to guys, the restaurant, right? Like, yeah, but he's not there. Like, there's a lot of restaurants where you never even see or meet the owner. Like, I've never so like Gators Dockside here in Central Florida is one of my clients, and it's owned by two guys. Neither of which guy I have ever met in my entire life, and I do 14 of their restaurants.
0: Well, yeah. But, I mean, if you walk into, like, Kodobo, you're like, oh, this is not authentic.
1: Oh, you mean the – is the restaurant good? The restaurant's fantastic. Like, I mean, it is – I mean, it is really Gosh, good. Like, I'm hungry now. hungry now. Yeah, no, that place is rad. And you would like it because they have uh, vegan options. But, like, I mean, it is, it is really good, and – I mean, it, and the people are wonderful. Like the guy, my contact is a great guy. I would have a beer with him any day, but the dude owes me a lot of money and then is yelling at me because I'm not going to fix something. And I'm like, pay me the money and I'll fix it, bro. And this is not, this, I mean, like, you know, I've got another place that is the same way and it's a, it's a Greek restaurant. And like, you know, they're just like, oh, you know, we'll pay you when we pay you. I'm like, great. I'll fix it when I fix it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, uh, Man, like if I, and then I have and then on the other end of the spectrum, I have clients that pay me the same day I send an invoice and they're amazed at how quickly their stuff gets fixed.
0: I guess the worker deserves his wages.
1: I mean dude, you want me to jump on your project, pay me the same day and I'm gonna be like at your beck and call. I will answer your phone call at midnight. I will go out to your restaurant at 1 a.m. I will fix whatever you ask me to fix. Man, you just, I'm not even saying you're paying me extra. You're just paying me the same day or the next day. Like I, I am your, I am your humble servant and I'm your humble servant for all of my clients. Don't get me wrong. I love all of my clients. Um, and I have a great relationship with all my clients, but at the same time, some are more equal than others. If we want to go back to the equality.
0: thing. (laughs) So, um, are you saying if you um, – oh, oh, I have a question. Oh, this is going to be the day of offense. Uh, but w- would you say um, if, like, Baptizer Bob, like, paid you a stipend, um, on time, every time, um, you would entertain their, uh, their questions and stuff, the same questions, with, like, happy and gracious, humble attitude or um, no amount of money okay. can do that?
1: For sure, bro. No, I mean, you know, you want to pay me to do theology, I'm happy to do so. you want, to, okay. you want me to answer the same question on the Trinity – Every day for the next like 20 years, like cool. I'm I'm your huckleberry.
0: Okay, so I have one, one more question, then we'll I guess end because um, I I have a leaky leaky sink that I need to fix for the third day in a row. Let's see, uh, what's today? Wednesday? What, no, no, Saturday, Sunday. Monday. Wow, this is day five and it's still not fixed. Um, anyway, so okay, uh, Apostle Sean, uh, I was gonna like private message you, but I thought, hey, this is a good question. People want to know the answer to this. Um, and you know, whenever we see a couple like uh, a couple apostles in, in their title, like um you know Marquis, marquise whatever, um, there's a couple people that you know you're you're very very friendly with. Um, but then on the other hand, uh, whenever other people with like you know prophet or apostle in their in their title or in their bio, um, you you get really really prickly with. So I'm wondering uh, what what the difference is. Is it just because you still feel the same about you know there is, is no apostle, there is no prophet. Uh, capital P prophet. Um, but you just have, you've talked to them enough and they're theologically on the same page enough um, title aside that you're at peace with them versus other people. If you haven't met them, you haven't don't have that same rapport. Like why, why are you super accommodating to some people with like prophets or apostles in their titles, uh, but not others. That has been a question that I wanted to ask of
1: you. Sure. Um, anybody with the title prophet, I'm not going to, I'm going to be perfectly. Um, I don't I don't know of anybody on here who has the title prophet that I'm like, hey bud, what's going on? Like, no, that's that's a bridge too far. Um, now, with Apostle Sean and Apostle Marquis, um, those two guys are Christians. Like, they're actual real-life, honest-to-God Christians that just happen to disagree with me on a couple of minor theological points. That's okay. Like, I can talk to Marquis all day long. I mean, I think that his hermeneutics are left something to be desired, but that's okay. He, 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 each to their own. But if you are a Nar Apostle, a New Apostolic Reformation, and you are not believing in actual Christianity, but you're believing in a sub-Christian cult that believes that there is dominion that is laid out to Satan, and that Jesus rewon the dominion with the with his uh, you know resurrection, and that. We now have the same power as Jesus because we are little gods and like all this other stuff that's just absolute New Age paganism. I'm going to be prickly, but if you're somebody like Sean or Marquis that's like a straight up real Christian that is teaching Christian doctrine, like I I have no problem with you. Um, you know, as a Christian and as a teacher, I just happen to disagree with a couple of secondary.
0: Oh, so um, in that case, if I were to title myself Apostle, you'd be all right with that.
1: I would, I would be fine. I would be like, "Hey, Nate," and I would never call you Apostle. Notice, I never call Sean or Marquis Apostle. I just say, "Hey, Marquis," or "Hey, Sean." Um, yeah, I don't either, yeah, and I. I want to be or, or, honest with it.
0: Well, I think I think I have in the past, but I I make a point not not to now because I'm like, well, I don't I don't know. I'm not gonna like I don't want to be a. a a sticking point uh but yeah i'm like eh, you know you be you i'll be me um you know i guess you you have the freedom to call yourself apostle i have the freedom to you know not um but how do they get that title like i don't think like seminaries or institutions like award the, the title of apostle right so is that like a a self-appointed or like a, a church local body like how does one of their bent get such a title
1: That's a multifaceted and extremely complex question. So, or maybe the answer is just multifaceted and complex. There are so many different um, traditions and denominations that use different things. So there are traditional denominations that use the word apostle in a way that we would just think of as messenger or pastor. And again, I'm not going to quibble with a title that you've chosen for yourself, Um, you know. As long as you're not out there claiming that you have the same authority as the apostles and you can write scripture, you know, like that's where I'm going to go they the line, right? But like, oh and well, of
0: course they don't. But do yeah. they? Do they claim any special authority, or they they claim the authority yeah. just like I could easily interchange those with pastor?
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe we have to have a deeper conversation about it. I've never really actually had the conversation about like what it means for them to be an apostle. Um, you know, I assume. Maybe assuming is a dangerous thing that because they do not believe in modern day, like, you know, apostolic, you know, gifts and things like that, like, you know, that they're not walking around, like, raising the dead and stuff, or claiming to, then I would imagine that it's simply an honorific. But maybe we need to have a deeper conversation about it. I don't know. I've always kind of shied away from having that conversation because those are both wonderful men that I happen to disagree with on some doctrine, you know, and Sean is, is super gracious, not that Marquis is, but Sean is super gracious, um, and, and there's a book, Truth or Territory, that I just read, and, and we were talking about it in here, and he was like, I'm going to get that book, and so I sent him the title, and he actually got the book, and he told me when it arrived, and he's, he's got a big conference this month, and so at the end of the month, I think in the beginning of April, he's going to start reading that book, and then we're going to have a whole conversation about it, and it may be fun, Nate, if you got that book. And then maybe we did a special, you know, like a very special Ask a Christian.
0: Program, Ask a Christian book you know, club. Like
1: a very, yeah, like Ask a Christian Blossom, you know, like a very special Blossom, you know, like and, um, you know, and we just talk through that book with the three of us would be, you know, or whoever else wants to get the book and talk through. I think that might be really fun um, because, you know, you're going to come at it from a certain perspective. He's going to come at it, from, I think, from a different perspective and obviously, I'm going to have a different perspective. So it may be neat to go through that book and just talk through it um, and some of the, you know, at least the five, high, like, hot issues on it, you know.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Well, don't be surprised if, uh, you know, the title I choose for myself, I'm thinking Archmage Billionaire.
1: That's fine. Uh,
0: you know, I did that on Facebook because it, um, it, it I, I think it didn't make me. No, it didn't make me. It was optional, but I played the game. It's like, you know, what do you identify as? And it it gave all the um you know all the you know fifty genders or whatever. And um then it had customs. So I'm like, custom. I'm like, sweet, like I identify as a archmage billionaire. They're like, are you? I'm like, of course not. But you know, neither neither is anyone else they identify as. So I'm like, you know.
1: I identify as handsome
2: and uh, elegant.
0: My wife used to tell me I should identify as trans slender. <laughs>
2: wow!
1: Dang, dude, that's a wife kill shot. Ouch!
0: I know, right? Something about something about proverbs about like you know it's better just like um, be be on a what the the sound of some of these things could be like rain hitting on a tin roof. ah like, uh, I choose to think you're joking and love me. <laughs> Pretty sure that's right.
1: I think that I think the proverb is uh, better to um, live on your reef than have to listen to the dripping water of a nagging
2: woman. Maybe, maybe
0: there's two I'm confusing ones like, you know, I don't want to I don't want to say my wife's nagging. Love you, honey. But it's like a, a nagging wife is like a, like the sound of like rain hitting a tin roof or something.
1: OK, uh, <laughs> Now I got to go look it up before both of our what, dude. My wife, the other day, she was, like, listening to me, and I got something wrong, and she corrected me, and my mic happened to be open, and the whole, like, it was a bunch of atheists in the whole room just started laughing, and I was like, yep, well, that's what she does. She corrects me.
0: <laughs> Are you looking at that verse up? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it's something like, a, a, this the sound of a nagging wife is like that of, like, rain falling on a tin roof. But, I mean you know there's plenty of stuff about you know men being bad too, so equal opportunity. No no one is immune. Joanne Joanne, usually we're we're much more uh much more peaceable. But uh today today I think we've hit some kind of hot hot button issues.
4: <laughs> I don't have a problem with it. I'm sure there's <laughs> problems I've nagged.
0: Uh the topics today, this could be the day YouTube uh YouTube has an issue with it.
1: <laughs> I got it. Proverbs twenty-seven, fifteen.
0: You going to read it to us?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, well, let's start at 14. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, will be counted as cursing. That's pretty good. A continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. To restrain her is to restrain the wind were to grasp oil in one's right hand man it's like it's like it's like solomon met my wife
0: i just want to say for the record you know there's a there's definitely a time and a place so bringing that verse up in the middle of an argument is not good ask me how i know
1: oh yeah no do not Do not, yeah, no, bringing up Bible verses in the middle of a marital spat, that is, uh, that is verbal.
0: We were all young once.
1: (laughs) My wife will sometimes ask me, she's like, am I a dripping faucet today? And I'm like, no, no, not at all. And this is a trick question.
0: What was the verse you you were talking about? Uh, Better to like be on a roof or away or
1: something? Is that one too, or are you just yeah, making up I'm gonna, scripture? I'm gonna look that one up. That's a, it's a different proverb. It's kind of saying the same thing. But let me...
4: <clears throat> Matt's favorite one to throw at me is uh, "Love does not remember wrongdoing."
0: <laughs> oh, I need to get that on like a, a mat and put it outside my wife's like when she goes to our bedroom. She can see that. Just be like, "Hey, look at that before you go to bed." Remember
4: that? Well the terrible thing is it's the truth and when he says it I am throwing something up so I have to back up.
1: Proverbs twenty one nine is the that's our Huckleberry. Hold on, let me turn to it. My Bible
4: May I piggyback asked earlier and the ladies left the room.
0: You were cutting out a little. What did you say?
4: May I piggyback on a question that the lady she's already oh, sure. left the room and I don't remember her name. She was talking about um if you don't feel convicted of a sin, are you still pure in heart? I'm sure I'm not getting that verbatim, but I I feel like that in my case, the closer I get to God, the more he removes the scales from my eyes and I realize the sins I've done, whether they're yesterday or 20 years ago, and I need to repent of them then. Did that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah. Paul, Paul the Apostle says the same thing. Like, I, I, and I think that you know, like R.C. Sproul, one of our favorites, right, Joanne? Um, you know, he talked. He talks about the holiness of God. He based his entire ministry on the holiness of God because it it is so instructive on every aspect of the Christian life as to how holy and apart God is, and how sinful. We and the people that think that they do sinless perfection crack me up the most cuz i'm just like <laughs> you don't even know what sin is bro like you, you know like try again
0: and uh can you recap that last little bit you said about sins that we repent of like i'm i'm all of a sudden starting to get audio issues so i, I missed the very last thing you said something about repenting i heard most of it but then it was like repent of old sins or
1: i missed that last little bit i
4: said that um, I I feel like personally, the closer I get to God and the more I stay in the word, uh, I become convicted of things or remember things that I may have done five minutes ago, yesterday, or 20 years ago, and I repent then. I, I think it, it would halfway, uh, my mat says uh, that we're saved in different it, Matt is at different stages of ignorance uh, and so you know, I think there's things that I used to didn't see as sin that now I, I I could not do with in a clear context
0: oh yeah I, I see yeah i I'm with you <laughs> uh, Chris, did you find your verse, we'll go out with that.
1: I got this. You ready? Here we go.
0: We're ready. You're a little quiet.
1: Right. Proverbs 21 9. It is better to live in the corner of a roof than in a house shared with a contentious woman.
3: <laughs> oh,
0: bringing the fire. All right, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for being know, here. If we're not, you don't if, know any if,
1: ladies like that at all. Any of us, just for the record. None. none they don't exist. Terrible. Yes. Any ladies, including Yvette and Victoria, and um, all of our other friends, Daisy. Yeah, and, and that being like
0: that. <laughs> that that being said, if uh, if we're not here tomorrow, it's because our our wives uh, won't allow us clubhouse time, or uh, we've been mass reported and banned. <laughs> so uh, you can find us on any of the other platforms. Let me just make a plug right now. There's bitshoot.com/slash/ask-a-Christian. There's rumble.com/slash/ask-a-Christian. And uh, there's a group somewhere on Gab because they'll never censor anything. Um, it's not called Ask a Christian, but you can probably find it. Anyway, so uh, you can also find us at askacristian.podbean.com. So if we randomly disappear overnight, <laughs> check us out of one of those places. Because um, uh, It's not because of our wives or, um, you know, we, um, we got banned here. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's the rapture, in which case, you know, be a little worried. But yeah, um, <laughs>
1: my, my, my wife, I'm just glad Steph's not here because Steph would just call my wife.
4: Maybe she didn't fix that plumbing. If you're not here tomorrow, ma-
0: yeah, I'm. You know, this plumbing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's exactly the same. It is so terrible to live with. Love you, honey. Love you. Not you. I'm talking about someone else. Um, um, yeah. So the, uh, I, I, I am declaring. I'm not a prophet, but I'm declaring by day's end this faucet is going to be fixed. Like I, I'm going to go, I'm going to try the, the right attempt. I'm going to get one more hose. And um, cause I think it's a malfunction with the hose. I think because the, the leak is coming from something, it looks like I didn't do, but like an inner working part. So I'm going to, I'm going to try it the right way. I'm going to get a bunch of like the, whatever it is that welders glue or weld welder, liquid weld or something. Oh my and God, if, if it starts well, G- okay. What kind yes. Of,
1: bro? What kind of, wait, wait, before you do this, what kind of pipes are these? Are they PVC? Uh, uh no, so the part that's connecting
0: it's it's the um it's like the bendy the clear bendy pipes. I don't know if that's still it, if that's a type of PVC, but not not actual PVC.
1: This it's like the, the bendy ones. Okay, this is the is it Pax? Huh? Pax, PEX? Huh? PEX P E X.
0: I I don't know what that is. It it, it basi- basically the twisty parts, like how um how it connects to the PVC. And then it gets, it's ah, like a tube. It's yes, like a those tube. Those are
1: PVC fittings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you need PVC glue. Do not get JB Weld. It will eat through the PVC, bro. You need PVC glue. Like, special, like, you need the purple glue. Oh.
0: Okay, so, like, okay, so exactly the type that I would use if I was putting, like, hard pieces of PVC together. That type of yes. glue. Yes.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: And, and then the only other thing, will that stick to metal? Because, like, the, um, the fitting I got... Well, it has, like, a little rubber sleeve that comes out, but then it, like, connects to, like, a metal thing. Like, do you know if that sticks to metal, or?
1: No, it does not. So, like, if you've got a, a metal thing, is this the water, is this the drain or the water supply?
0: No, this, uh, uh, okay, um, wow, this is, this is, um, okay, so call, the.
1: call me later, call me later, you don't have to do it on here. <laughs>
0: Just, the world like... needs to know my, my struggles.
1: Well, like, okay. well, here's the thing. If it's the water <laughs> supply, you need pecs. You need a shark bite to go from the metal to the pecs.
0: The if shark it's... bite, that's the problem. The shark bite's the problem. So I think it's a bad shark bite because the go shark bite, a you know. shark bite. Yes, that's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to pray yeah. that it works. Because, like, the shark yeah. bite, you know how, like, it has inside the shark bite, it has a little rubber sleeve that comes out and connects yes. to the. Okay, well, that is not where the leak is coming from. The leak is coming from between the rubber sleeve and like the metal encasing of the shark bite itself. So that makes me think something's wrong with the shark bite.
1: Yep, that's something wrong with the shark bite. What you need to do is you need to, to, um, there's burrs that are on the metal, and they've pierced that rubber, that rubber. So even if you get a new shark bite, it's not going to work. You've got to sand off the metal. So get some sandpaper and sand off the metal and make sure it's smooth. Then put your shark bite on, bud.
0: I hate everything about this day. That'll fix it. Okay. All right, everyone. Uh well, I hope you have a better day than me and um <laughs> hopefully my house doesn't flood. <laughs> See you all later. Take care. Good to meet you, join Matt.
4: God bless.
0: You too.